I'm Jesse Delo, your host of Madly Forever, a podcast in collaboration with The Fullest. Each episode, I'll help people move past their vision boards to create a life and relationship that they truly love. I, sometimes along with the help of my husband, Brian, will interview a variety of experts, psychologists, couples, and business partners to discover the science and secrets to successful compatibility. By pairing my expertise for manifestation with my background in therapeutic healing, I have manifested the life of my dreams. With this podcast, I aim to help others find their optimal alignment as well. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Madly Forever. Today, I'm thrilled to introduce my friend Ashley Terrell, who's here with us, this brilliant writer who I met a few years ago now. <laughs> can I tell this story? I was how about we to met? say, I was like, Jesse, uh, <laughs> I was like, can we tell the story of the first time that you met me? I was basically, you met me naked, which is yes. like both vulnerability <laughs> naked and actual naked. But yeah, you go ahead. You take that one. Yeah. So I think it's a really cool way that we met. Um, when I had first moved to LA, which is now, I think six years ago. And um, from New York, I was really missing this creative outlet that I had in New York, which was figure drawing, nude figure drawing. And so when I, you know, became a member of Soho House, I was on the committee there in West Hollywood. I proposed, you know, can we bring some nude models in and, and do some figure drawing here? It'd be the perfect space for it. And they said, sure, if you can find some, if you can find some people who want to get naked in Soho House, like be our guest. And so I put some feelers out and I reached out to a few friends and Maybe I even put something on Facebook said looking for nude models. Um, and somehow someone said, I think my friend Ashley would be interested. Right. And you had never done it before. No, I, well, that's what I love. Like we got <laughs> to like a halfway point during the session and uh, people are like, oh, so how long have you been doing this? And I'm like, uh, never. <laughs> like, you know, but it, it was such a, and this is probably like an interesting segue into, into around the world and 80 dates. Uh, but, it, you know, the project that I've been working on. but. Um, for me, that I was trying to to find a way to kind of shed the fear of judgment, and and to be vulnerable, uh, yet, you know, yet empowered uh, within yourself. And so my my friend, our mutual friend, had brought it up, and I was just like, "Oh, this would be interesting," you know, because it's not something I'm comfortable with. And you know, I on any kind of stage, I have a fear of of what people are thinking about me, judgment. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I said, okay, like, I'm going to throw myself into the fire. How brave. <laughs> it really is such a brave thing to do, especially because it's in, you know, Soho House, too. So it's not necessarily people that you've never seen before. You might mm -hmm. be in a room full of people you know, you have no idea. Yeah, no. But I, when I kind of, because I, I, as a writer, I do like social experimenting, you know, mm -hmm. to kind of find a genuine place or point of view to write from. Right. And so for me... Because I was trying, I was really, really very um, self-conscious going into the process. You know, like the week leading up, I was like, okay, what, like, do, do I need to go get waxed? <laughs> like, <laughs> what happens here? Like, what, you know, and I was like, I kind of have an understanding of what the class would be. And we had talked and you were so awesome and, and lovely that I felt trusting and and comfortable with our relationship and knew that you would not lead me right into, it was a safe space yeah and, and then I would hold that container for you yeah yeah and so as I kind of got closer to to the the date um 
I realized when I'm a creative, when I'm an artist, it's about me and my process. And so I looked at that space or coming into that space is really serving these other artists. Mm. And when I did that, I was able to let go of my own mm. ego, you know, my own fears and just kind of find a very well, a strong place. And uh, I want to serve these people and their really creative cool. process. And I remember like uh, it proved so true on many levels because I got in there and I remember this one woman who was a brilliant artist, but she, her internal monologue, she was kind of voicing for all of us. And, and it was all this self-doubt and, and she even left like midway through the session. Oh, yeah, I remember. And I just thought like, God, why do we do that to ourselves? You yeah. know? Um, yeah. And I think she left her, her drawing behind of you mm -hmm. and you probably kept it. I'm sure. Well, that I, I kept hers and I, I just looked at it and it was, it was so such a specific point of view yeah. you know that uh and was was really really interesting um but that was the the biggest takeaway I had um other than than kind of you know how to release ego and how to release uh your own self-consciousness uh was that we go through life kind of trying to control the or project a certain image for people to see that we're comfortable with or control how people feel about us, which is impossible to right. do. But uh, coming away, what was so great about the experience and, and the environment that you crafted for us all was that everyone at the end wanted to show me their drawings. Right. And it was this perfect lesson in why would you try to control the way other people think about you? Because look at this array of beauty. Wow that people see and can project. And so like going into the process and thinking, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, because everyone's going to see my worst things that I'm always trying to hide. Right. You know, I'm going literally going to be naked right, right. <laughs> in front of a group of people. But, uh, and then, you know, having that ending of just looking at, at everybody's, um, you know, some people fragmented mm -hmm. parts of, of my body and some people, you know, uh, the color that was used. And, and it was just such a good uh, reassurance. And, you know, there is beauty. People see beauty. You right. know, they see the positive things. They see the light, you know, and and obviously that comes from point of view. But it, that that really um, meant a lot to me. And, and as I've continued kind of my work as, as, as I say, a writer, but also kind of, um, putting myself in my work, which is an it's interesting, almost like a social anthropologist. Yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, I, I have that kind of letting go, mm -hmm. um, and kind of trusting in process and, and trusting in the lessons has really served me. So one, thank you. Oh, well, I'm so grateful. Thank you. And then I remember you came back for more. You did it another time. Yeah, I time. did it another time. But I think that time I was like, okay. Okay, you've already gotten the lesson. Yeah. And yeah. I remember you being a little bit more uncomfortable the second time. Yeah, I think well, it was a bigger room. And it, I think yeah, it was less people intimate. Had, it had caught on and it like, it was like really popular that yeah. day. Yeah. I think the first time was like a special intimate, you know, and then everyone came <laughs> you were like, they were oh, like naked lady in room yeah, six yeah, yeah. no I'm kidding but um but no yeah I, I kind of felt like it, it I was not going to to make a career right, out of doing right, this right but, but you did it not once but twice and that is yeah. incredible yeah. um so tell us about around the world and what this whole project has been and I'm so curious to hear yeah about how it's unfolded for you yeah I'll get into kind of the catalyst in a bit, but, um, 
but I'd love to do kind of like explain the the kind of whole. Um, so I, I was a writer for L, uh, L.com, mm-hmm. which is the digital component of L magazine uh, when we met. Mm-hmm. And I, I was kind of, again, starting to look for deeper stories, like stories that had a longer life than, you know, 500 words or even 5,000 words. Um, and so I, I had somebody told me that one of the dating apps was going to allow you to kind of change your GPS coordinates. And I think it was meant for something like uh, more practical of like, if you're moving to the city or if you work in a different city from where you live, you can, you know, meet people in either. And I was like, oh my gosh, somebody has to go around the world in 80 dates, you know? So <laughs> it my- It just came to you. Yeah, it, it was like, a, I, I remember somebody told me this, we were at dinner, I went to the bathroom, I came back and I was like, somebody's got to do this, you know? And my friend just looked at me, she's like, Jura, you know, you do it. <laughs> and so I, I was actually coming on the heels of a breakup and uh, just went into this like two month Tinder intensive around the world. <laughs> Having (laughs) no idea, you know, like what I, I mean, at that point I had, um, traveled, you know, it's not like I I had only been in the States, but, um, but I kind of had some rubrics and some rules. I, I basically decided that I wanted to go to 80 cities to kind of play along the theme. And, uh, that's a lot of cities. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that really is. Yeah. I, and I made it my job. I mean, I really did. I was like in and my so pajamas. Was funding this or was it self-funded? No, self-funded. Wow. Yeah. So that's, it's a commitment, right? Yeah. Well, that's how all my work is. <laughs> I love it. Cause I love, uh, something where you get really deep into yeah. process and understanding and it's really, really fascinating. Yeah. Wow. Well, and it was fun too, because oh, it was, I bet. you know, like, I mean, for two months, I wasn't actually dating, you know, I was, I was literally just digitally dating and meeting all these men from, from around the world. Uh, and I, you know, certain things I was pretty upfront with, Hey, I'm a writer, you know, um, I do plan to actually travel. You know, I am kind of, but I was somewhat upfront with the fact that this was, had some other piece to it. Uh Um, but it was so cool because at the same time, like, like one, I wasn't in their hookup radius. It's not like I was, you know, could go meet them for coffee or a drink, you know, like the next day. Uh, but we started having these conversations and, and I think because it was maybe something new to them and new to me, we were really fascinated by what we could learn from one another. Um, but it was also, I, I kind of subscribe this or prescribe this to women or men going through a breakup, uh, like to, to write, you know, like 20 people or whatnot at night and being like, you know, kind of capturing or capturing your day and whatnot. And then like wake up to like 20 messages oh, that yeah. are like, hello, beautiful like little love letters. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was such a, um, it's like, there are more people in the world. Like you can get so when you're dating and especially when you kind of want to make one thing work mm-hmm. and that one thing might not be the thing that's right for you. Mm-hmm. You can get very pigeonholed in uh, like, oh, no, you know, like this is the only thing. This right. is the only possibility for me. And and that was another kind of there's all these milestones within the project for me personally. And then obviously with the project. But it was this kind of like, there's a whole world mm-hmm. out there. And and because of the internet, because of social media, you can have friends around the world and you can also date around the world, which... Yeah, yeah. And having these tools at our fingertips at all times, you're, you're really in the driver's seat. Like you're in control of 
how much you want to date, who you want to date, how far you want to go for a date, you know, <laughs> all of it. It's really yeah. cool. It's like this whole new level of opportunity. Yeah. And I kind of bring it, uh, what I'm fascinated by in that aspect is uh, our grandparents were kind of, um, you know, limited to what was in their backyard or like the neighboring town. And then our parents, um, and these are generalities, but uh, between generations, but moved, migrated to cities and kind of met people from other places mm -hmm. in the States. And so it's this interesting progression that now, you know, the dating world is flat. Right. And, you know, if you, I mean, it's fascinating that like you might end up having something more in common uh, along relationship lines with someone halfway around the globe than you do, you know, in the same city you're living in. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Well, yeah. the world now is so global. Like you, it's not so unfamiliar anymore on the other side of the world. Mm -hmm. You see the same shops sometimes, mm -hmm. same restaurants. You know, we're all sort of infiltrating each other. Yeah. I mean, two cities on two different continents might be more alike than like, right. you know, a city in rural America versus Oh, absolutely. And values especially, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. so tell us how it played out. So first it was sort of just like doing research. It sounds like, and sort I of, I love that research. <laughs> My friends were like, Oh, can we help you do research? I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. just sort of like putting feelers out, dropping notes to people, making like sort of superficial connections that weren't yet acted on. Right. And, and that was a lot of people had a lot of questions as far as like, the, I think it goes back to, you know, we live these kind of digital lives mm -hmm. and, and that they, aren't necessarily a true representation of, of who we are in real life, which as I followed my project through, I actually proved to be false, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I, I, so yes, making these kind of superficial connections. Um, and I think something that I had that other people didn't, that kind of solidified a deeper bond was, um, I was writing for Elle. And so even though I, I was holding this project for something that I wanted to do uh, that had, you know, legs or legs for something else, mm -hmm. I did talk with my editors and they were like, we would love some kind of piece of this to use. So I ended up publishing like 20 of the hottest guys on Tinder from around the world, um, which of course. Which a fun study to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and these men, it was very funny when I went back to some of them and I'm like, hey, you know, we're putting this together. Would you like to be a part of it? Uh, you know, for the most part, they were all very thrilled to be a part of it. Some of them were like, oh, you know, I, I don't know. That kind of feels odd to mm -hmm. be kind of on display, um, which I also thought was interesting, mm -hmm. especially with the gender uh, kind of reversal there. They were like, I feel kind of like a piece of meat. <laughs> <laughs> but so this article gets published uh, in it was like early March of 2015. Oh, so it was a while ago already. Yeah, yeah. Wow, so I, I was doing that. the digital dating like like early 2015, January, February. And then, um, and it had this response that was enormous. I mean, it, it like I, I had covered celebrities. I had interviewed celebrities. That was my primary job. I had covered West Coast events. So things that are, you know, get traction. Um, I, I think when I did an interview with like uh, Norman Reedus, who's on The Walking Dead, like, I was just like, holy cow, like your fan base is enormous and they're they're just so obsessive with you, you know? And so I saw like some of my pieces peak mm -hmm. and and get uh, this kind of wild traction, but this was unlike anything else. Wow. So how many are we talking? How many hits? I, I think, I don't, they don't give us the, <laughs> the numbers, but I know from just Facebook likes, it was like 6,000 Facebook likes. Wow. Yeah, or, or reposts. And then um, when they, when L, I think put it, 
on Facebook a few times to kind of promote it. And I was going through the comments and usually the comments were literally like they were tagging their friend and then putting the guy's name <laughs> that they thought was the hottest in the so piece. Funny. But I started looking at the women who were commenting and they were coming from all over the world. They were commenting from all over the world. Wow. So I realized the piece, you know, like most of my pieces, they, they kind of had a, a domestic audience, you know. Uh, but this struck a different chord. And I started to realize women were curious about men from around the world, what they looked like, the fact that they were on Tinder, which, you know, seems like something that might only be, right. you might have access to only in your hub. But here was a way to look at what men on Tinder were, you know, looked like from other countries. Um, and and it also was the only article I've ever done that got uh, reprinted in El Netherlands. Uh, I think it was in Cosmo US and Cosmo Australia, you know, so it was clearly it was hitting some. Yeah, people some were kind of, interested. Yeah. So much. that kind of deepened my relationship with with a handful of the men because it was like, oh, this is something, you know, I think, again. Well, you probably really gave them, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, more than they bargained for. I'm oh, sure. yeah. I think some of them, uh, you know, uh, their Instagrams went up by a couple thousand. You know, so I was, and it, it was kind of hard for me at first because they were men that I actually. Were interested in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Those were your potential dates. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. I just put them all out for like anybody else to kind of look at. That was, I was really like, selfless of you. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, a few of them didn't use their Instagram handles because they had a choice to kind of, uh -huh. if they wanted us to to publish certain information so I was like you know on the ones that didn't I was like okay <laughs> but then the other ones I was like oh well they're out there you know and and then yeah I, I asked one because I think there were two guys from Iceland uh and they wrote me and they were like we made the morning news wow yeah. <laughs> so did you end up meeting all of those men well so so I had kind of when I was in the process of of doing my research the digital dating I had always intended on actually traveling. I had no, again, because it was self-funded, I had no idea how this would how actually work. How it was going to work, yeah. Yeah, and, and so I had the aspirations to do it, you know, very that year in 2015. And like most things in life, you might set that goal, mm -hmm. but, you know, it, it doesn't work out exactly as you wish or planned. So um, it wasn't until last year that I had the right... Uh, I had the time, I had the money to go and do it and, uh, and to do it in the way that I wanted to do it. Um, so I wasn't going to be backpacking right. <laughs> across, you know, the globe. Um, but yeah, so I went. And so what, what was your journey? Where did you start and tell us I, about it? So I basically, uh, well, in total, it was four months of travel. Uh, so about, I think it was 114 days. I went to 35 cities across six continents. Wow. Um, and for the most, cause people have asked me, they're like, what made you go to certain cities? And I was like, for the most part, men. <laughs> <laughs> so it was where you found the most like appealing men for, well, not even appealing. Like I had at this point, was having, yeah, this was two and a half wow, years. So many of these people, it's yeah. a full-time job in itself, isn't it? Well, it's <laughs> not that, I mean, I, what was nice. And I, and I think this is true. You know, I, I think sometimes in dating, we kind of, um, look to a means, you know, it's a means to an end. Uh -huh. We're looking for an end point, which would be marriage or, right. or life partnership. Um, and I think because of kind of some of my experiences, my past dating experiences, um, 
I kind of opened myself up to being present, you know, and, and looking for just being able to care for human beings. Um, and it, it was funny because somebody along my way knew that I was kind of asking people about love as I traveled. And he kind of turned the question around on me. And my answer was that I think we, we kind of hold it back for this one mythical human, mm. uh, which is great. And, and I think deep partnership is something that is so nourishing and important in life that it, it should absolutely be a goal. But I also feel like we hold it back for one and kind of um, don't extend it to many. When, when you can kind of look at or come from a place of, of not, you know, betraying one right. love. Or that it's unlimited, that we have yeah. infinite love and that it, does, it only begets more love to yeah. love others. So I, you know, it, it truly and genuinely had kind of opened my heart to these people in whatever capacity uh, was mutual, you know, and, and accepting and, and had no idea, you know, what kind of, because again, you're carrying on a two and a half year I mean, digital. so these guys, were they also dating other people? And I mean, I imagine I was. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I mean, it's, you know, it feels like this is like the bachelorette. <laughs> yeah. I mean, on, on kind of a global scale, yeah, like a online dating bachelorette. And yeah. so it's, it reminds me cause you watch that show and it's like, she's falling in love with all these men, you know, it's like, right. You're like, how is that possible? She's just making out with him and saying she loves him. And now it's this guy. And this. so it's sort of like that, like yeah. those intimate bonds. But I would say, you know, whereas, whereas as we know about reality TV and specifically mm -hmm. that show, like everything's in a pressure cooker, mm -hmm. you know? And so and you, I mean, obviously there's attraction and things that help fuel that, mm -hmm. but this was really a slow burn. Mm -hmm. So this is two and a half years talking, seeing their lives unfold naturally. FaceTime too? No, not I mean, that's a crazy thing. People are like, did you have phone calls with these people? Did you like, you know, uh, have FaceTime? I mean, I think in the very beginning when I was doing kind of the two month intensive, yes, there was more of that. But as the years went on and as I kind of, it was in flux, I didn't know if I would get the opportunity to travel. Um, it, it was more of just, you know, that kind of like, we're of like mind type situation where like somebody brings something up on Facebook. Um, like I remember the guy uh, who was living in Dubai and he's from uh, Lebanon, but he like posted something about our perception as Americans of the Middle East and, um, and how the Middle East is so, so diverse as far as, um, you know, it's not this kind of rubble uh, mm -hmm. that we think of when we think of certain parts of the Middle East and our relationship to that, that specific part. But then as, Americans during a certain time in our history, we kind of labeled the whole, the Middle East. And and those were those moments that I was like, this is so cool because not only am I learning about an area that I have, I have very little access to or very little information about through a person who's actually there, but it's also allowing me access into understanding him and his point of view as a human, you know? Yeah. Um, and that he wants to educate the rest of the world on, on you know, that, that, there's something deeper than maybe our first impression or, or the limited access that we have, you know? And so to kind of step back from maybe our associations and, and allow ourselves 
to understand that something is is more complex. Right. You know, so these were the, uh, you know, I think another moment like this was the guy in Sweden. Uh, we started talking about music because he's in the music industry. And I had no idea that most, like, uh, you know, Jose Gonzalez was Swedish, mm-hmm. Mike Snow, Swedish, mm-hmm. um, Tovlo and, and Licky Lee, Swedish. Mm-hmm. So, you know, all this music that comes into America and you kind of, kind of, I think as Americans, we, well, I, I shouldn't say as Americans, but you kind of think everything is, is from America, uh-huh. you know? And it was, again, this kind of opening up of my perception of things to be like, oh, half of the music that I like is actually Swedish, right? you know? Mm-hmm. And then thinking back to ABBA and uh, I can't remember the Ace of Bass, you know, that uh-huh. they were Swedish too. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, so there was, it wasn't constant, like, I love you or, or like, uh, or, or not even like constant communication, but it was this interesting thing that social media in a very natural environment, and I'm using that in quotes, Mm -hmm. allows you time to digest another human being, you know, to kind of intake like who they are and, and to see them in a, in a place where they're expressing themselves, you know, and even though it's this digital, um, contrived digital uh, personality, it still does have some it's still rooted in something true. Mm-hmm. So, so that was kind of the, like, as I started to prepare to actually travel, um, that was one of the questions, like, will, will this feeling that I have for this other human being hold true? And will the perception that I've now developed of them hold true? Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> well, I'd, I, I want to jump back because I've kind of talked about the clinical side of what I was doing. And, and because of, oh, you know, I know the work that you're doing, I wanted to just kind of a little, you know, talk lightly about where I was personally. Yeah. Because um, I, I think also what you're doing and um, I really appreciate and, and have respect for because this, some people don't know that they need their own permission to go and do what perhaps feels very natural to them. But, you know, we, we do get a lot of um, subscriptions or prescriptions in life to, mm-hmm. to follow a certain chord. And, um, and so my personal story kind of speaks to that. And I hope in maybe talking about it, that it gives other people permission to kind of seek their own path. I'd love to hear. Um, so I, I had a four year relationship uh, when I moved to LA and you know, it was interesting because it was the first healthy relationship that I was really in. Um, but I had all these questions of like, I don't know, how do you determine that this is the person and that capital, like, like one, the one yeah, is yeah. <laughs> it's not easy, you know, to kind of, um, suss out, especially, you know, given your people have different backgrounds different types of parents or how they parented or their marriage that you, you know, you obviously take into account when you're starting to figure out what's right for you um, or work through, you know, your parents' marriage. Yeah. And it's the single most important decision people say who you choose to spend your life with. Yeah. Cause it shapes and colors every other thing. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, I mean, this is to just skip ahead, like something that I found really interesting about Iceland and their dating culture, which was, Divorce is so frowned upon and mm-hmm. something that they they really want to avoid that they actually avoid getting married. Wow. Yeah. So they will have partners and they'll have children and they'll even go their separate ways and still be kind of a, a family, a functioning family unit versus a 
dysfunctioning family unit, but they, they know the magnitude of that choice. Like when they really hold it very special that when you make that choice, it is a forever commitment, Mm -hmm. you know? So, um, so as I was in that relationship and, and kind of having, um, doubts that this was my partner forever, I like to say my partner for the foreseeable future, but for forever, (laughs) um, you know, I, I I started thinking about like my own personal, what my own personal journey to make that decision would look like. And I kind of called into consciousness, uh, this thing in Amish culture mm-hmm. where they have a rumspringer, you know, and they allow, um, people in the culture to kind of go with outside of the community for a year to then choose whether or not they want the community to come back to the community or they want a different life. Wow. And it's powerful because, you know, in that you get choice. Um, and it, it, it is your own choice. You know, it's not kind of like, okay, we've been dating for four years now, you know, like everyone's expecting that we take the next step. Um, and for he and I, the next step was breaking up. You know, we, we both kind of, came to a conclusion of, you know, do you want to get married? No. Do you want to get married? No. Then what are we, you know, Mm -hmm. doing together? Um, And we were living together. We lived together for all four years. Um, But during that relationship, I kind of had this epiphany of like, I want to know, you know, that this is the choice I'm making. And, And for me to inform that choice, I just felt like I wanted some kind of massive exploration Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, of not necessarily every possibility or, you know, um, but I wanted to see the world and I did want to see it in some way through the lens of dating. And it seems like something in you inherently was dissatisfied or knew that there was something else out there that you weren't getting. Yes. And I would say that was true in my relationship and it was just true of where I was in my life at that point. And timing is this thing that, you know, everybody talked about timing, you know, in relationships when I was in my early twenties and then kind of watching how, how true it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah. it's no accident. It's, it's the timing is very much like when it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I believe that. I'm with you. <laughs> <laughs> so there, but there was a kind of restlessness in uh-huh. me that uh-huh. wasn't yet satiated. So that was, I think that was the kind of germination of like, like what, what is this thing that, you know, and and again, at that point, it was for me personally, it wasn't for me to like Mm -hmm. sit down and write about, or, you know, um, it was just this kind of, I felt the, the restlessness and, uh, and then had a subsequent relationship. Um, and after that, that's when this kind of all came together. Um, so Leading like over those two and a half years of kind of doing the digital dating and, and meeting this man and, and hoping that I'd go, I was kind of hesitant to get involved with anyone because I knew that there was kind of like, how do you broach the subject of your, your dating? You're like, yeah. by the way, <laughs> this summer I'm gonna, you know, take a four month sabbatical <laughs> from our relationship and go date men from around the world and check out the dating culture. Um, I hope you're okay with that. I'll see you in four months. Yeah. Um, but it it was kind of crazy because right at the end of my time in, in New York at that point, um, so this is early 2017, uh, and I, I had done a good job of kind of having healthy, loving relationships, but, um, you know, they all kind of had their time and, and then, you know, we both would be like, okay, this was amazing, but we're not each other's person and we're moving on. Um, but yeah, right before I left, I met somebody and it was that kind of relationship where like, 
uh, I, I threw a big party in New York. He came, and this was a Friday night, and he didn't leave until Monday to go back to work. Wow. <laughs> and But in the course of um, that weekend, uh, because at this point in my life, I think the things that I had learned to value the most in relationships were uh, honesty, communication, and kindness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like I had come to a place where if those are your guiding principles, you can really get through anything, even if getting through it means you walk separate paths. Mm-hmm. Um, so I told him about the trip, you know, and was very honest. Um, and, and so it became a, you know, like most great decisions in life, it became a difficult decision because here was this amazing human being who had come into my life. Uh, and I already had this trip now planned out and, uh, here was possibility and the exploration I had wanted. Um, so, you know, I, I broke down like, I'm going, you know, on my trip. Um, and, you know, when I get back, we'll see, you know, uh, which was very, as I've now come since I've been back from my trip almost a year now, I have come to realize what a difficult situation that was for the other person. Um, but, but it was this kind of deepening in honesty, communication, mm-hmm. kindness, which served me. As and being I, true to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I, I left last June mm-hmm. um, and I started in Europe um, and I didn't put a mandate on the trip. It wasn't, you know, I have to hit 80 dates. It wasn't, I mean, that was more of the play on words with, with obviously the book. Um, but it, it was, I think the greatest overriding principle was just to say yes, you know, to things that were kind of coming into my path. Um, and so like, for example, whereas several of the cities were planned out because some of these men that I'd met two and a half years earlier were, um, there were other cities that kind of got put in where there's no one, uh-huh. you know, and I, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't want to force anything, you know, so it was kind of like, let's see. Um, so, for example, the first city in Zurich, I ended up um, tindering a month ahead in Zurich just to be like, I, I don't know much about the Swiss. <laughs> I know the chocolate, the Alps, uh-huh. the fact that they're neutral, you know, most most conflicts. Um, but it was so it was, it was again in an interesting way, even meeting men on Tinder to kind of start to get ideas about the culture and their point of view, uh, their world point of view. And this one guy and I, I remember like we had matched and we had kind of moved our conversation to WhatsApp so we could send each other photos and videos. Uh, and he, he was so lovely. Like he would go somewhere and like show me the lake and, you know, <laughs> or he'd like show me what he was doing that day. And, and, um, and he'd always apologize for his like heavy because, you know, they, they speak Swiss German. So this kind of like German-esque mm-hmm. accent which I thought was sweet. Um, and he'd pronounce my name Ashley, you know, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, we had this like three hour marathon conversation, uh, about American politics, which was another thing I think Americans take for granted that most of the world knows a lot about our politics uh, and cares because Mm -hmm. it affects them in some way. Absolutely. Um, but as I was like preparing, so that was going to be my first stop. And, And I got this lovely um, invitation from him that was, hey, you know, my sister's having a dinner party, um, like the night that you get in, would you like to go with me? So that kind of evolved into this complete stranger, stranger other than the digital communication, 
uh, picking me up from the airport. Wow. And that, like, when I now look back, because I traveled for 114 days, nothing happened. The worst thing that ever happened was I missed my flight by an hour because of my own human error uh-huh. of timing. Um, but not a suitcase was lost. I was never mugged. You know, like, all these things that people, you can face in travel. Mm-hmm. I, I always feel like angels were just carrying you were me through. You protected, yeah. Yeah. And, and even more than being protected, I was embraced mm. by these people who... Uh, I mean, travel is beautiful and, and you can see things that are amazing. But for me, it was really, who am I going to meet? Right. You know? And not necessarily for love, but like to to just have the exchange of, of of really getting to know somebody from across the world that without, you know, technology and the, all these other things, I would have never had the Well, experience. it's sort of a life hack for traveling, it sounds like, to be able to set up all of these relationships beforehand and to get like a deep dive into the culture yeah and that's where you know married people miss out (laughs) (laughs) well yeah maybe there's some sort of site for like families meeting each other because I think there is that is the beauty of traveling Mm -hmm. you can be an outsider and explore and you know do your best but I think it's really when you connect with the people and you experience something you know in their in their culture the way that they are experiencing it is Mm -hmm. when it's really profound yeah yeah it's almost like you're getting their their um what like short notes or whatever Mm -hmm. you know on Mm -hmm. on because for example like he took me to the lake you know and and the entire town in zurich over the summer on the good days you know it's this kind of thing where they all turn out whether young old Mm -hmm. it's all mixed in it's not you know like kind of the poshy group over here and whatnot but yeah so to experience that to experience his life, you know, that's the same thing he would have been doing that day, whether I was there or not, you know, going to the lake and, and being part of that. Um, so, yeah, there is. I know it's like I, I, I do feel that as we become more connected through things like the Internet and social media, that we won't think of, a, you know, as continents or countries as being barriers. Right. You know? And and the. In being able to ingratiate yourself into somebody else's point of view and somebody else's culture will become easier. And, um, and it does create this ability to kind of start to, to, I, I mean, I think about this with religion too, and maybe this is a bad example, but you can learn about all of it and then you can kind of begin to pull the pieces that make sense to you mm-hmm. and, and kind of create something that, um, informs your view of how you want to, to whether it's religion or just way of life, you know? Um, so yeah, so that, that was the bit, that was the first, I think it was, you know, again, as the universe kind of gives you things as, as they're intended to happen. The fact that the first city that I was landing in was this kind of moment of like, I don't know if this person <laughs> is going to put my luggage and me in the car and drive oh, away, right. you Goodness, know, it's yeah. like a, it, that, that kind but of blind trusting. trust. Yeah. yeah. Um, that it, it just gave way to, uh, that, that overriding principle of say yes. Like if, if the universe is handing you something, see it as the gift yeah. that it is and can be. Yeah. And, um, and that happened over and over again especially in places uh you know where I would have been hesitant because the first month I I, you know in Europe I I had friends that were also there I had a friend actually traveling most of the time with me but once I got to Istanbul I was alone wow 
And I went from Istanbul on alone. So the last uh, three months of my travel. And what was it like dating there? I... So in Istanbul, the the man that I because every city kind of has a man um, uh-huh. that stuck out or stuck out for me, and it was actually I don't know if this gives away too much of his identity, but um, at Soho House, the the guy who is uh, handles reservations, he and I became like brother and sister. Wow! Because um, I called him several times and I was like, Hey, look, I'm going to be really upfront. Like, I don't feel safe. <laughs> to Istanbul, you know, as a, as a woman traveling alone, I don't. Uh, and he was like, I don't blame you, but I can only promise you this. If you, if you come here, I will take care of you. Um, and so when I arrived, I remember, uh, he came out to meet me and he had kind of a long billiard, uh, and, you know, being of, of that, well, they're not of Middle Eastern descent, but, and he's Kurdish. But uh, I was like, the first thing in my head was like terrorist, you know, and, and it was so shocking to me that as liberal as I am and as open and embracing as I am, like the conditioning of wow. like how somebody can look and, and the kind of the, you know, it's a, a signifier for mm-hmm. or symbol for these other signifiers can really pollute Absolutely. your mind. And, um, and he, to his word... Uh, you know, took me throughout Istanbul the first night that I got in. Um, and I met his partner, who I, I adore. Um, they have these cats, Nina and Simone, who I love. Um, and, and to find out that Nina Simone had, like, traveled far and wide, like, even, you know, like, somebody's willing to name their cats after her <laughs> was so awesome. But but there, I mean, Soho House was kind of this cool, um, I think of it, like, like Rick's bar in Casablanca Mm -hmm. because so much is going on right now in that city. And there there's this uncertainty and, and unknown, um, that, that does permeate. Um, and they are, they are seeing like even the progressive Muslims that I met, um, who have grown up in Istanbul are seeing a change that they're not comfortable with. So it was this kind of interesting thing because Soho house, um, it symbolized this place where people of like mine get together, a you know, all hub. these Turkish people. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Uh-huh, yeah. And so I kind of, I enjoyed my little Rick's bar uh-huh. situation of, of this, not an incubator, but this isolated little world where everybody, you know, like I think an indie band, a Turkish indie band came to play one night on the rooftop, you know? Um, but yeah, the, but I did meet Turkish men, but I didn't, I always think of, um, I'm not going to say his name, but yeah, like yeah. him being my person because we had that that love yeah. that I was looking for in every city. You know that deep love. Mm. Um, Did you fall in love during this time at all? In a in a romantic way. <laughs> yes. Do we have time to talk? I mean, I are we good on time still? Because I mean. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I did, um, and. Uh, the ones that I'll, I guess I'll talk about, um, I'll, I'll talk about two. Okay. Um, one was somebody who I met digitally and then two others were people that were gifts along the way. Um, so the gift situations were basically, there were two cities that I wasn't going to go to. One was Beirut. I had planned on going, but, but had kind of started realizing the people that I thought were going to be there weren't uh, the others Cape Town. So Beirut and Cape Town and they almost are mirrored situations. So that's why I said, I'll talk about them kind of um, as a whole, but 
I, you know, my guy friend uh, who was living in in Beirut had moved, and we actually and I, or he and I, ended up meeting in Vienna because he was part Austrian and Palestinian, as I came to find out. Um, but just this really lovely human. And so as we're having coffee in Vienna, he's like, you have to go to Lebanon, you know? Um, and I was like, ah, you know, I think I'm okay. <laughs> and he was, he just said, if I have to get on a plane with you and take you to Lebanon, you're going. Wow. You know? He yeah. really insisted. So I, you know, I was like in my big girl pants at that point. I'm like, no, no, I can, you know, I can travel on my own. You know, like I, I don't need, you know, like, uh, I'm not going to inconvenience you to come with me. But he said, he was like, well, look, I have a friend there and I have a friend who has a guest house in the city in Beirut. Uh, he doesn't live there, but he rents it out. You know, you can probably stay there and he'll, you know, kind of um, make sure you're okay or at least be a contact for you in the city. So, um, so I ended up talking with him and whatnot, but like the craziest thing is I had screwed up on my flight out of Istanbul. I thought it was a 1 p.m flight getting it at 4 p.m and it turns out it was a 1 a.m flight Oof. yeah something that we don't have in the uh -uh. states really getting it at 4 a.m so the guy in beirut called me to to like make me aware hey i don't know if you know but your flight's getting in at 4 a.m um and at that point he was just like i'm going to pick you up you know like nobody should fly into yeah. lebanon at Jeez. 4 a.m but um so like i remember coming out of the gate and I had been interrogated by customs in Lebanon almost to the point where I was like, if somebody wasn't picking me up, I probably would have flown out. Um, and, you know, he had like he's a motorcycle rider. He had like these like like tailored jeans with like these boots and, you know, muscular. And his, his T-shirt was kind of rolled up, uh, kind of like a, a Middle Eastern James Dean, like a Lebanese James Dean. Uh -huh. And um and, you know, like when we met, he like wouldn't let me carry my bags. And then he has this like beat up like Land Rover, like yellow Land Rover. Um, and I, I was just like, I'm walking as he's carrying my bags. And I'm like, this is going to be trouble, <laughs> you know, because I could feel that I was attracted right. to him. And I ended up like never going to the little guest house. I stayed with him the entire week. Wow. He took me to a barbecue with his family, like, the you know, that day uh, up in the hills of Lebanon. And we did. We just spent. There, there was, I mean, there's something to be said about sometimes when your choices are so limited, like you do see, and I also think it was just, you know, not that this wasn't timing. This was kind Chemistry. of stars aligning. Yeah. Um, and, and we had like, even to the point where we had a fight within the week, you know, we would stay up until like, you know, early hours in the morning talking about different things and learning from each other. Um, and when I left, I cried, you I know. Bet. Yeah, that sounds yeah. really intense. Yeah. And it was crazy because I had my, I was going to Dubai and then Cape Town and a similar thing had happened where I met this woman in Istanbul who's like, you have to go to Cape Town. Um, Cause for certain reasons, like Africa was difficult between shots and, and I wasn't going to be able to go to some of the places I wanted to. The only real option was South Africa. And again, she was like, look, I have a friend. He has a, a guest room. You're more than welcome to stay there. And I was like, you know, no, <laughs> like I've already been through like a very intense relationship. Right. And it was the universe literally shut down every other option I had as far like my Airbnb account wasn't working from Dubai. So I couldn't rent a place. So I ended up having to say to this very lovely human, like, hey, I'm sorry, I actually do have to stay with you. And he was like, stay the whole time. Just come. And um and similar thing, like we would stay up until four in the morning talking. And then I think the third night in, 
like he went to bed and I went to bed in our separate uh, spaces. And then I heard from his room, like, are you sure you're not cold in there? <laughs> and I, I just said back, are you sure you don't want to kiss me? And that's why you're saying that, you know? And so like he and I, I was there for a week too. And we just had this really loving, very present, um, giving relationship. And he was actually the one who turned the question back on me, you know, and said, well, what do you think of love? You know, and, and whatnot, which was at that point in my trip, cause it was about midway was, um, a perfect time to get that question. Mm -hmm. But the one that probably, um, I think mimics in some way, uh, well, I don't know, uh, was its own thing. Cause it, it was crazy to be going around the world 114 days and, and having these like deep, intense mini. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but I think the the most fun story, which is very true to my my character, my little fragile character <laughs> sometimes, uh, was I talked with somebody for two and a half years uh, who lived in Iceland, and um, and I kind of looked at him like, one, he's beautiful, he's a beautiful, beautiful human being, and I just thought certain associations with him because of his looks and you know because of what he would probably be in America, you know, mm -hmm. um, what a model, well, like a <laughs> kind of a, like, you know, a player, uh -huh. like certain, and I was just like, no, okay. So, he was... so safeguard my heart uh -huh. and just kind of look at this guy, like a friend, like, it's nice that we've been taught. Cause we actually had regular communication over the two and a half years. Um, but yeah, he is, be I mean, he could, he's like, uh, I always think of him like, uh, do you know who Charlie Hunnam is? Mm -mm. Okay. Well, like Brad Pitt, Kurt Cobain, mm. he's pretty. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and it, but what I, what really started to reel me in was, um, we talked like at one point he posted something either online of music from like the sixties. And I, first of all, it was American music, um, which was again, like this kind of eye opening thing of realizing how much of our pop culture does make its way around the world. But, um, but I was also like, how do you know that song? You know, and he was like, what do you mean? How do I not know this song? And so we got into our very uh, obscure music taste. Um, and his is actually much more obscure than mine. Um, I mean, he has classical and like 1930s music that I've never heard of. Um, and so I, that was the beginning of like, this person has some real depth that's very interesting to me. So, so forget the fact that he's pleasing to the eye. Um, you know, like this is where I live and this is where I kind of can, can connect with another human. So, um, so that, so I kind of, I was excited to meet him because again, two and a half years and kind of being like, oh, we're actually going to meet, you know, what is that going to look like? Um, and I also started feeling my vulnerable self, you know, cause I did actually like him mm -hmm. and I thought it was probably crazy to like somebody you've never met and have only spoken with digitally for two and a half years. Uh, and there were, uh, you know, like all things, there were like, I, I even had an experience on my plane from Edinburgh to, to Iceland, to Reykjavik, where like somehow the stewardess or the flight attendant and I like um, got into a conversation. I kind of mentioned the L article and that there were two men on it from Iceland and the one she didn't know, but when I brought up his name, she was just like, Oh no. Like she made this, she knew him. She, well, yeah. Well, I know everybody thinks that everybody knows each other in Iceland. <laughs> Cause it's a country of, I think three or 400,000 people. It's like the size that like Reykjavik is the size of the Lower East side and, wow. um, the East village basically. 
So imagine if your largest city in your country is the size of two Manhattan neighborhoods. It's crazy, yeah. Yeah, so, but they do not know everyone. That Uh is is a fallacy. Um, But yeah, but she made the, you know, she did have this kind of strong opinion about him. And I was like, you know, it reaffirmed all these kind of fears that I had. And uh, so my friend, my friend actually was with me and she was like, you don't know how she knows him. Like, calm down, you know, um, just see it through. So we had had plans because he's a chef in Iceland. So, so I was getting in on a Thursday. He works basically Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. Uh, and so we didn't get to meet when I first got there, but he was like, you know, I would love to take you exploring on Monday. Um, and I was throwing a dinner party Sunday night, which he ended up coming to after he was actually working that night as well. But my guy, I had started to, I had another guy friend in Iceland who I was meeting and they kind of said certain things about him, like he did and his friends, which also started to like kick up the, the insecure dust. Um, so at the point when I was having this dinner party and he's coming over, uh, I began chasing my wine with scotch. Wow. Yeah. Because <laughs> that feeling of feeling small, I mean, it was fascinating to be like in a totally different country and have the same things you can have. Nervous, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I remember buzzing him in and thinking, you should go to bed. <laughs> like, this would be the Bad point. Bad idea. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, this is not going to go well. And um, so he came in and he went to go give me a hug uh, and this is two and a half years of talking. And I just kind of went right by him, sat uh, right past him, sat down next to one of my other Icelandic friends and started flirting with him. Wow. Yeah. So it was one of these, I'm going to make you feel small because I feel small. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and so he basically um, got up within 10 minutes and left. And I was thinking, oh, you know, I'm just warming up to you. <laughs> like, this is my way of warming up to you. But long story short, um, because of that, the next day I kind of apologized, didn't really hear from him. And then I realized I had kind of hurt his feelings to the point where I might not hear from him. Mm-hmm. And I thought, two and a half years, you know, you blew it in 10 minutes, you know, with this human. Uh, so I just then sent kind of more of a... Like, we don't have to do anything today. Like, there is no pressure. Um, and But if I hurt you, I'm sorry, you know. And um, and to that, he wrote back, like, it's okay, Ashley. Everybody has their bad days, but it did hurt my feelings. Mm. And that, going back to the kind of the honesty, communication, and kindness, like, the cornerstones of what I look for in another human being, um, it was so great. I I respected him so much more that in the moment he could actually tell me that I had hurt his feelings. Um, and so it just opened up this kind of um, truth between us, you know, and I think of it in, in like when you're in relationships or in that beginning stage, we kind of do the vulnerability dance. Like you hope both people are open at the same time, but it can, you know, as things kind of get, um, complicated. One person can be closed while one's open and then one closes when the other's trying True. to open. Yeah. And if they're off, you might both like each other, but it's not going to work, mm-hmm. you know? So we, that next day ended up like, I think my response to him was basically, well, I did that 
because I like you. You know, that was the subtext, basically. And and so like a 16 year old kid, and it was actually my birthday, like I'm, I'm up on, uh, we're out, you know, in the middle of Iceland and I'm on my bed just like texting him like a 16 year old, you know, and, and so we ended up doing a do over and it was so perfect. Um, I mean, I, I think the last night I came home, uh, cause he had, it was my last night there. I had to fly out very early in the morning. So we ended up going to the blue lagoon at night. Oh, uh, which amazing. is one of the geothermal pools. Yeah. And um, I being notoriously late, always was late. And But he had just sent me a text like, I will be in the water waiting for you whenever you get there. And so like I come out and it's this, like misty night and it's the closest to nightfall it gets in the summer in Iceland. And there's this beautiful Icelandic man in the water, you know, just waiting for me. And we, uh, there was a nervousness about both of us that reminded me of, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, you're falling in mm-hmm. love for somebody and it's that kind of very pure love. Yeah. Um, and he, you know, we kind of walked around cause it's this thing where it's like, you know, waist high water and, uh, and just we're talking and starting to, to learn about one another. Um, and he said at some point, he's like, let's stay in until they kick us out, you know? Um, so they eventually kicked us out, but, um, like a, such again, another like perfect, non-perfect moment. Um, I, I, cause at this point we haven't kissed, you know, or anything. And I'm thinking to myself, like when he walks into my car, I'm going to like throw him in my car and make out with him, you know, cause I was leaving the next day. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ever going to see this person ever again. Uh, and so he stops short of my car and goes to kiss me, but I am like, a, I cannot do like when other people are around, I get very nervous. Uh, especially with affection, you know, or that kind of a level of affection. So I turned my cheek and he ends up kissing my cheek, which he felt or took as rejection. So I'm like realizing everything that's happening in the moment. And I'm like, oh, wait, you know, like, let me walk you to your car. And he's like, no, 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 that's okay. And so he just bolts like, you know, like almost like a little boy, like back to his car. And I'm like watching him drive away. And I'm just like, no, <laughs> you know, two and a half years, we both like each other. Um, and he's driving away and I leave tomorrow at 6am. So I kind of, I like, we were probably a half an hour apart, but we just started texting and we were like, uh, you know, I haven't felt this type of happy, you know, and I don't know, like we live in two different countries, like who knows? Um, but yeah, that was, I, I came home from that experience and said to my friend, I was just like, I will take that moment with me for the rest of my life, you know? Yeah. yeah, and you didn't even kiss on the lips. Huh? I know. Yeah. <laughs> we have since kissed on the lips, but <laughs> oh. yeah, I saw him again, and I, like I went to Iceland in, in the spring, uh, early March. So he's the only person that I've seen since my travels. I'll oh, leave it at that. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the door's still open on that one. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. So just last, you know, last remarks about what you learned during this journey, and like. The thesis, I guess, ah, um, about love in eighty the world. cities <laughs> around the world. I, you know, there were so many different cultures. I mean, I, I went to Sri Lanka. I, as I traveled more east, things became um, more intriguing because they were so different. Uh, so, for example, Sri Lanka, Bali, um, even Tokyo. With as much as there is, you know, again, like two cities can look alike, but I, I found the our culture and their culture to be so different. Um, and I ended up dating somebody in Tokyo who kind of broke down for me a lot of the, what he 
thought were probably cultural differences than they were. For example, like one of the things he told me is when you marry uh, in Japanese culture, your husband and wife, but as soon as you have a child, your mother and father. Huh. And they're very distinctly different roles, wow, or at least your duties are different, you know, whereas I think in America, we try to bridge right. both, you right. know? Yeah, that's um, fascinating. And he also told me, which I found fascinating, he's like, do you have this thing called like counseling in America? <laughs> which I was like, yeah, I was like thinking it's ubiquitous yeah. around the world that that we have, you know, outlets for, for guidance. Um, and he said, yeah, we don't have that here. Like even the idea of admitting to a problem is, is not something that's easily done here. Um, so that like kind of starting to grasp, you know, I, and I think the biggest takeaway for travel in general is that there's not a right, you know, cause I, I looked at certain aspects of, of culture and because it's different, you can kind of put a value on things of like, you know, we are right or our way is right. And this way is wrong, but it, you know, the process of shedding that and just kind of looking at, um, you know, why are these different and what is the value to this and what is the value to that? Even, oh, the craziest was um, in Sri Lanka, a woman explained to me uh, the benefit to arrange marriages, which um, I'll say very quickly, but um, she had grown up and she kind of rejected the whole idea of arranged marriage and, and wanted um, free will in choosing her partner. And she said she was, uh, I think, in her late 40s or early 50s at this point. And um, she said to me, she was like, you know, all of my friends who did it, they're actually happier uh, than I am. And she said, I kind of approach love as this, um, this hypothetical other who was going to, you know, I, I know we all talk about this, of like the mythology of a partner that they're going to solve things for you. And we, we all are kind of coming to the idea that that's not exactly right. But, but as far as a relationship and what it looks like and what love means and, you know, that it's kind of this, this bigger thing. Uh, and we approach it that way. And then you're kind of slightly disappointed mm -hmm. at times as you move on. Like there's too much pressure on it. Yeah. And she said her friends uh, who were in arranged marriage, they their expectations started on the opposite end of the scale. They were like, if we're friends one day, like that will be phenomenal, mm -hmm. you know, and and in most of those cases, it exceeded friendship. You know, it at least met friendship or exceeded it. And so, you know, it's such a perfect um, or interesting statement on you know, expectations and reality and how those have a contributing factor on happiness. But so that, yeah, I'd like to hear somebody explained arranged marriages in a way that I didn't bring all of my uh, preconceived, like, no, you know, that's not the way we do it, or, or that just seems awful, you know, but really kind of opening myself up to, yeah, I would love to hear an argument or, or the case for why it does have a value. And my takeaway there was, expectations, you know, yeah. and, and how we can control expectations. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, and I think the fun of, um, you know, getting, getting to do what I, I hope other women and men get to do, which is to, um, to love in many cultures. And as I say, you know, learning about the dating culture, one man at a time. And I mean, it sounds like the experience of a lifetime. I'm, I'm glad that you got to, to do that, <laughs> that you followed through and that you really made it a reality and that you're here to share it with all of us. Yeah. Well, that is the, I, I know how, um, how lucky I was and that's why I want to continue to, to share. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So Thank to you. learn more and to follow, um, how can they find your work, Ashley? 
Yeah. So there is an Instagram page that uh, it's at around the world in 80 dates. And that captures some of the men that I photograph because I also put the duty upon myself to photograph attractive men that I spotted from around the world. And I interviewed <laughs> about love, uh, dating and relationships. And then the other is the website, which is the acronym for around the world in 80 dates. So it's um, yeah, we can throw it up. <laughs> we won't mess but, it up. <laughs> right, yeah, I was like, around the world in eight days is way too long. So it's, it's the acronym. But um, but yeah, both places were beginning to kind of um, exhume all this. I, I'm kind of going back through my journal and whatnot and, and starting to put the, the larger story together. Awesome. Well, I cannot wait to get the full. I mean, I feel like we could talk for hours, but oh, I want to hear so much more. But Oh, this podcast would be way too long if we continued. <laughs> yeah, so thank but... you so much and thank you everyone for listening. Bye. See you next Bye. time. Bye.